Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. I'm Pat Nevin. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London Is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. And welcome back, Chelsea fans, to a first postseason recap pod for us. Uh, took a little time off. Dan had to stretch the legs, do a little recovery, hit the beach in South Spain, just like the players. And we're here. It's time to get back to business. That's exactly where I went, Brandon. It was actually it was an anniversary uh, weekend just recently, four years. Happily married, and uh, I know Nick is also enjoying not you know some marital bliss pieces, but enjoying uh, my former home of San Francisco right now. And uh, can you call a it a former home? home? I mean, it was like a pit stop. I <laughs> uh, got a California ID, so it definitely was a home. Nick, Sunshine State, huh? What are you doing out there? It just you know, work sent me out for a month to uh, to work on a project with another agency, so. Just uh, out here hanging. Um, enjoyed the uh, the park yesterday for a little bit, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been really great so far. So it's uh, nice to get out of the heat and humidity of Kansas City for a little bit, um, just to just to come out. So yeah, really good, really good. Yeah, completely outnumbered now. All of you on the West Coast. Here I am by myself in the middle of the country, just slumming it up. But I don't know, Mike. I uh, I think I'll survive. 
I think you three might even have to do a little meetup, a little hangout. Yeah, we just have to figure out if it's going to be in Seattle or uh, San Fran. But um, man, what are you doing with your life? You got to get out to the West Coast. Well, someone's got to hold it down in the real world, guys, which is... <laughs> he's, he's rocking one of those We the North shirts uh, <laughs> from, from Toronto. Yeah, not you know, quite. Brandon was a, a stealth Kawhi Leonard fan. Uh, Fun guy. Brandon's a real fun guy. Craziness. Uh, all right. Well, anyways, all of you listening, this is going to be season recap stuff. So we'll talk about the players, managers, moments of the season. Uh, it will be fun. Uh, but as we always kick off all of our episodes, those of you who have given five-star reviews will get our love and admiration, Dan. Yeah, of course we will. We want to thank those for leaving them all this season, have cascaded over 530 lifetime reviews in the U.S. iTunes store, which is absolutely ridiculous. And it's good to know that they are not all Brandon's mom, which is really exciting. Uh, Tons of five-star reviews. Uh, The two that we want to talk about this week, we got one from Liam's nickname on June 4th, newcomer to Chelsea Premier League fandom. And this podcast is more and more great for keeping up the blues, but also just the league in general. Said even the Game of Thrones episodes are great. See, Brandon? Yeah, in your See? face. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say uh, they were bad. I just have no time. Yeah, they weren't for you. Weren't your cup of tea, Kermit. Anyway, uh, great to get him in with a five-star review. And then we also had one from House Hagen saying, my favorite pod for all Chelsea info, go blues. Just remember, just because it's summer, and maybe it's because it's summer, you got a little time off, you're listening in a cabana, you're listening poolside, don't take that phone into the pool, but leave a little five-star review on iTunes, and we will hook it up with a shout-out at the beginning of the episode. And now, I think, Brandon, we should talk about uh, Patreon? Always, always followed up with our Patreoners, Ashwin and TJ, welcome to the group. We will see you on Discord, we will see you on the post. Uh, we really appreciate you guys giving us your money to support us every single month so we will deliver back to you um right out the gates derek on discord comes at us going what surprises what was the happiest surprise of the season what was the saddest one nothing but surprises nick what do you think was we'll start with happiest surprise of the season yeah i think callum callum was my happiest surprise of the season i mean you know, we'll, we'll get into Maurizio. We'll get into a lot of the first team players here in a second. But when you when you think back to all the managers we've had and the playing time that uh, youth and or academy and or loan prospects typically get during a season, I think Sorry was under a lot of pressure because of other players' performances uh, to play Callum. And when he got a chance, I think he really shined. And you know when. You, you kind of take it into the context of everything that uh, we have a few players who are departing the club. Um, this does provide Mike a, a bright, shining opportunity for Callum to kind of take the mantle as a as a playmaker at Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, you know, my, my happy surprise was Conte goals. I think you go back to that, that goal against City. Yep. Um, n- nobody saw that coming. Uh, and just to see the pure joy on his face. Um, anytime that guy's smiling, I think we all are. Uh, Dan? Ooh, happiest surprise. There were actually a lot of happy moments in spite of the narrative bandied about by many on Twitter and through headlines. I think the 
happiest surprise was Ruben, who unfortunately is now injured, becoming a key first team player. You know, we've yep. talked about it for a long time. Our friend Joe Tweeds a long time ago wrote the article about the you know, the at the time the eighty million dollar, eighty million pound decision, go sign Pogba or trust in Ruben Loftus cheek and Ruben started paying good on that promise and hopefully after he recovers from his injury here we'll get to continue seeing him shine and continue to rise as he, we were seeing this season but that was probably my happiest moment brandon yeah well i i think that those are all fair i'm going right to the end of the season because to me that's kind of where it all matters where it all comes down to and finishing above spurs and arsenal <laughs> while we had one of our a poor season for chelsea standards they have great seasons for their standards and yet here we are disappointed in how it went but yet we still finished above them is absolutely fantastic to me there were some dark times along the season didn't really expect that to to be a situation but it uh it happened and it it warms my heart guys it kind of papers over all the cracks all the other complaints um but i tell you what it was great to see those guys uh, break through the season there's no doubt about it um, let us know what your happiest moment of the season is again social media discord but going to the saddest one and I think the saddest one will probably all revolve around two players but Mike if I'm gonna open it up and let you have your say what was your saddest moment of this past season I'm um, to me the the obvious one is Ruben um to lose him the way we did uh, and in the form that he's at um, is just absolutely brutal. Um, again, Achilles injuries um, really are impactful on player careers both in the NBA and elsewhere. So that's a very scary uh, thing to me for both him and, and Callum. Um, but, you know, if we're not going to focus on that, I would say the saddest part was all those Sunday matches um, <laughs> not a surprise though. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just glad that uh, Arsenal will be dealing with them, and we will not this next year. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think there was a lot of hope. You know, obviously Callum and Ruben getting hurt is is number one, but I think there was a lot of hope around Ross Barkley at the beginning of the season, and you know, he he really just struggled um, after new years to to get it together and i you know i actually was surprised by that because i thought he was really starting to come into his own a little bit um and it's not to say that you know that's like a permanent state of affairs but um i think that was kind of a, a sad part for me it's, you know up and coming english midfielder and then you know rumen kind of essentially turns it on after thanksgiving our time and and really ross isn't heard from again after that so um anyway I, I, dan i think that's kind of mine is you know you started to see some promise with ross and, and it just kind of faded away a little bit yeah i think it's hard to say anything different than the injuries to both ruben and also callum injuries that will mean at the beginning of our next campaign we're not getting a chance to see them continue in their ascendancy we're having to wait and potentially if they're at the match or at the grounds, watch the camera fade to them and enjoy 10 to 15 to 20 seconds of commentary about how they're not able to play match after match after match. So yeah. that is 
undoubtedly, I think the saddest thing in, in the context of all of it is that we uh, have to watch two very talented players, um, you know, three if you consider Reese James now with his injury, uh, maybe not being able to get in right at the start of the next campaign and do what they can do best, which is play football on an exceptionally high level, Brandon. Right. So if I'm essentially leaning on you guys to pull the injury cards, I'll go a different direction. One of the saddest things uh, to me this season were the massive divides created amongst the Chelsea fans. Um, whether you had um, you know, the international fans being called out, whether the international fans were doing the calling out, for whatever reason, this season really, really um, drew some lines in the sand and really kind of forced people um, almost to like pick sides. And it was just, I don't know, like Twitter was not a friendly place. Reddit was not a friendly place. Um, and, and I think to me overall, it was just like everyone is telling you how you should be a fan. And if you don't agree, you're wrong. Or if you don't go and you don't pay money, you're wrong. And it's just, I don't know, hopefully we can have some semblance of uh, peacekeeping this summer somehow and we can get back to just enjoying watching Chelsea which is what we all probably want to do at the core of it so um, a bit of an off the field thing but something that was quite clearly observable from all parties involved um, so again what are your saddest moments of the season and let us know uh, and we can retweet and post those out but I want to kick this one off, guys, with uh, ratings. We love ratings. Um, we did this in the winter, and we think this is a good time to kind of recap it all. So you all know how this goes. It's time to hand down our ratings to players and management staff on a scale of 1, or Danny Drinkwater, to a 10, which is an Angolo Conte <laughs> dominating Torreira on one leg. So with the scale being finalized... Uh, let's start with our record-breaking signing, the golden boy, the shining light of this club, Dan Kepa Aretha Balaga. Yeah, and his first season in the Premier League had a chance to, you know, take over as the manager at one point this season, <laughs> which was really exceptional. Which I think might be a bonus point. Category. Goalkeeper really is just the manager on the pitch, so that's a natural extension. Yeah, of of course you would say that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm glad you got your union card re-signed. That's good. And <laughs> I'm going to go, I, I would say a seven. I think it was a really strong start. I think there was some opportunity in the middle, but that was, I think, the entire team and ended on the highest of highs with an exceptional penalty shootout versus Frankfurt which then led us to his performance in the Europa League final. And he didn't have as much work to do then as he had previously. But overall, Nick, I thought he had a very solid campaign to start off his career at Chelsea and has already added one trophy to one European trophy to his records, which is something that Leno, who was the Arsenal goalkeeper, uh, did not do this season. New signing. Yeah, yeah, that's why I think I'm giving him an eight. Um, you know, I I know that everyone wants to focus on these on these moments of turmoil, and you know, clearly the uh, the Carabao Cup final was you know a really standout moment. Clearly, the penalties against uh, Frankfurt were standout moments. Uh, I think overall he was just really solid this year, and 
did not get helped uh, in the slightest by a defense that was all over the place at times. You know, you saw against Liverpool and City the first go around how solid we could be defensively. And then you saw against Liverpool and City the second time around how not solid defensively we could be. So I don't put a lot of the problems of the goals scored at his feet. You know, clearly he has a little bit of growing up to do at 24 years old. I think we all had a little bit of growing up to do. Um, but, I mean, for, you know, the price that was paid in the uh, production value, Mike, I am, I'm a big fan of Keppa and I, I'm excited to see how he continues to grow. So I'm going to give him an eight. Yeah. Um, do we have any issues with giving a uh, half, you know, like seven and a half or do we have to no, go whole numbers? No halves. All right. No halves. Uh, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll round up to an eight as well. Um, you know, I think you hit the majority of the points on the head between you and Dan, but I do think, you know, coming from a different league um, and just stepping up and for the most part, um, he did not have that price tag hanging over his head the way that uh, certain other players might have um, from performances. And he's pretty solid and cool under pressure in the back and minus, you know, a couple performances or, you know, like I said, Carabao Cup. We really don't have to worry about um, who's standing between the sticks. And I think um, overall, I think that says a lot when you can slot in and uh, kind of just take over and lead the charge, Brandon. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. Um, I thought for him coming in, new system, everything going with it, I thought he did uh, a really good job, obviously. I think that... Um, He's a big change from what we're used to, but I thought he stepped in, uh, provided some leadership later on in the season, which is what the role needed. Um, he, you know, you have to remember this is a huge season of of um, transition, right? There's many other players that come from other leagues, even La Liga, smaller clubs that take much longer to adapt than him. I mean, De Gea, take it for what it's worth. He took two, three seasons to adapt to the Premier League. Kepa made about an 80% jump in the first season. So I'm really impressed with that. I think a lot of us take that for granted. I mean, outfield players, um, you know, Jorginho played a ton of minutes, and he still struggled to adapt, right? Not Keppa. Differences, obviously. But uh, I think that we're probably seeing about, this is probably his 8 out of 10. I think that he has some room to go, but between his consistency, uh, his clean sheets, the partnership he's starting to make with the center backs, um, I think that this was a, a really top season from him. I don't see him getting a whole lot better either. So uh, I'm throwing him at an eight at this one. Wow. You guys are all very generous this this end of the season. I don't know if it's the, the silverware shine. It's you, can't, the, you can't say that after the first one, Dan. We're, I'm sure we'll be less generous as we go. <laughs> uh, we haven't gotten to drink water yet. So All right, so running down this list uh, in numerical order, for those of you that are confused in the reasoning, Antonio Rudiger, so stalwart at the back. Unfortunately, his season ending early due to knee surgery but mike that did not slow down his dancing and celebrating in baku no no it didn't um <clears throat> you know when you when you don't have two good knees then you just dance on your butt i guess um i'm giving rudiger an eight 
Um, I, I think that overall he was our best center back. And um, as Nick mentioned, the difference between Liverpool part one and Liverpool part two is that Rudiger wasn't available for part two. Um, I think his speed uh, and ability to shut down players, when you look at Salah and some of the other players that lived in his back pocket this year, um, I think he's a pivotal part of the defense. And um, we're going to miss him at the start of next season. Uh, Dan? Yeah, I think you know the, the the two areas that I would like to continue to see more from Rudiger, and uh, I, I say this completely again on doing a podcast as an armchair element in this. I think the largest lack of defense that we've kind of seen this season was some of the aerial zonal marking pieces, some of that system, but some of that just down to Rudiger not always being the best at claiming a ball in the air. Uh, re- prepping for this, rewatching a couple of the in-the-box moments where he maybe moved his head away from the ball and didn't necessarily find himself in the opportunity to potentially even convert, you know, in a free kick. Uh, I-, I would go with a, I would go with a eight, but it's definitely the rounded up eight because the seven five is where I wanted to go because uh, I think there is some continued growth opportunities still heading in the next season, Nick. Yep, I, I agree. I'm going to go with the seven. Um, you know, I think that Rudiger was very solid this year for the most part, but the one thing I couldn't get my head around as I was kind of thinking about my ratings for each player was, you know, the back line specifically needs to communicate with each other. And there were a lot of times this season where they collectively did not. It's not to say that was always his fault or David Luiz's fault or any of their faults, but I mean, we saw a lot of breakdowns, um, and you know, that's just unfortunate. Um, when it could be avoided. I mean, he clearly makes up for errors with his, you know, kind of freakish athletic ability. Um, but I think there's there's a lot of room to grow there, too. I'm just hoping that he comes back from his injury okay, Brandon. Absolutely. I would also give him a seven. I think overall our defensive line could have performed a lot better. And I think we also want it to. So if we give eights on them... Um, we still think there's a lot of room to, to grow with them overall, in my opinion. Uh, number three on the roster, Marcos Alonso. Uh, didn't divide any opinion again this season, Dan. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, though, for him, got off to an amazing start, cooled off, essentially lost his place, and then picked up some minutes at the end of the season, now rumored to be leaving. So a weird season for Alonso. Yeah, unlike Chernobyl, still running hot after all these years, oh, Marcos Alonso... Not, not at all. Uh, he probably is is lucky to have had opportunity later in the season as Emerson found his way into some starting positions. But yeah, I would say that Marcus Alonso would get the get a five overall. To say, I, I mean, to lose your starting position to be caught out. A, you know, a couple times at key moments, really just, you know, even come out after the vaccine saying that his struggle was related to the fact that he was asked to be, you know, to play different, um, which is odd because he's played as a true left back before and not as a left wing back in several systems, which is really interesting. So I think, Nick, you might think I'm being harsh, but uh, them's, them's the deets. Yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with Alonzo, I think. He, he's clearly not a left back in the traditional sense. I mean, he, he's played better at Chelsea as a, as a wing back option. 
Um, he also got really unlucky by hitting the post about 970 times this year. Uh, which not a I real think, number. Everybody, are you sure about that? Yeah, <laughs> um, not, not a real number. So it only seemed like that many times then. Um, okay, so yeah, I think if he even converts 50% of like the whatever six or seven posts that he hits, maybe that changes the narrative around his season because he did provide some of that trademark forward running and, and I think was just a little bit unlucky. But as a defender, yeah, I mean, I'm probably probably going to have to go with a 5-2. God, that sounds super harsh, but he just got skinned a lot this year, Mike, and that's you know the main part of his job. Quick clarification. Uh, Alonso hit the post six times, only outdone by Sergio Guero, who did it eight times. Oh, okay. So... Another three goals on his tally, and that probably changes the narrative a little bit. But yeah, could make him an eight out of ten. Yep, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should have been starting over Iguain uh, up top. Um, now I, I think it's tough, and, and this is where you kind of would want that maybe a five and a half. I think I was looking at a five slash six, but I really. I do think five is probably most fair for for the performance this season. Um, it's not easy. I think w- would imagine to switch from that wing back role to being playing as a left back. Um, it can't be easy also to have um, some of the turmoil that happened earlier in the season uh, on the left side of no one really claiming that spot uh, until the the second half. Um, that had to have affected him as well, but. Um, I don't know. I like Marcos. Uh, he seems like a great guy, but this was not his best season. So I think five. Brandon? Yeah, I. Th- you know, 31 appearances in the Premier League is quite a few. So, I mean, he essentially played the majority of the Premier League right until the end. Um, I... You know, doing these so late in the season, I guess I just I'm struggling a little bit. I I'm between a five and a six, and so I guess if you go five, I am a nice person, so I'll go six, <laughs> mainly because I bought the yellow kit with his name on the back, <laughs> so I have to. Uh, Andy, Andy's your lookalike. I have to so fly that flag yeah. uh, a little bit, but there's no hiding. I'm not gonna hide. It was not Alonzo's best season at. Brandon, I don't think anyone has ever used their Marcus Alonso player rating for the 2018-2019 season to justify that they're a good guy. So congratulations on being the first person it. to do that. <laughs> it's because I got nothing you else to talk on, so I'm just fluffing. Anyways, uh, Jorginho, number five on the roster. <laughs> uh, and, and not at all a controversial. I was going to say, Marcus <laughs> Alonso is pumped Jorginho came to Chelsea this season because everyone forgot about Marcos. Uh, I mean, Nick, where, where do you start with Jorginho? You know, huge signing. City chasing him. Um, the key, the the guaranteed key to playing beautiful sorry ball, how did it work out? I've thought about this one a lot because, you know, you kind of, I think you can chunk the season for him into three parts, which is the opening salvo was electric to be honest with you we were all kind of amazed at how quickly he moved the ball and how quickly he was getting other players into like the sorry ball mode the middle part was very poor um when other teams figured out that by putting a man or two on him that it basically shut off the supply of the rest of the team 
that was that was not very good. And then I think the end, he really showed a lot of grit and heart, um, and and really kind of played out of his skin. Um, you know, kind of towards you know April ish to to the end of the year. So. I think I'm going to go with a, a really solid seven. Uh, that may be you know, kind of the, the best spot for him to live. Like I, I think back and I know that he is not the assist guy. I know that he is not Cesc Fabregas. And I think the more quickly that fans get that through their head, the better. But I always think back to the amount of chances that he almost created for the team. And if we only had someone to finish them off, what his season might really look like, Dan. So I think a seven is probably right. Yeah, and I think the idea of breaking up his season into three chunks makes a lot of sense. I think there was the initial amazing run of form and undefeated run to start the season, and then there was the drummings that we received in the later uh, mid-tier where we lost to Bournemouth 4-0, we lost to City 6-0, you know, ten games across, you know, ten goals across two games, and then we, you know, had a factory reboot where he got a bandage on his head and decided he remembered how to play his style of football, and you know, uh, again, Nike headband sponsorship next season for Jorginho, if he's still here, would be a really, really good idea because it just somehow seems to connect with his brain the right way. Uh, I think overall, with that said, um has a lot to do defensively. And I think he started to learn that near the end of the season, that he is not going to get an infinite amount of time to pick his pass and was not always the best at delivering the passes, uh, especially in that kind of middle part of the season. So uh, I would give the six Mike with the opportunity to grow up to that seven or eight in the coming season as he further adapts to playing in the Premier League, which was a little bit of a rocky transition for him. Yeah, I, I think um, it, when when Nick first set a seven, I think a lot of people might be a little bit surprised. Um, but I definitely think this was a, a six-seven season for Jorginho. Um, I think the way he finished it out, um, and if you look at you know the pass before the pass, you know he's not making the assists, but he had a lot of key passes leading up to goals. And if we could have finished. Um, the way we should have it would have been a significant difference um i think when you look at some of the peel stats of between previous seasons we had 81 big chances created this year when typically we're around 48 to 60 so there's been some you know significant impacts there you know it's not necessarily all him but i think that the way he pulled out of you know a bit of the the dip that we saw midseason and it's always going to be tough i mean sesk had the same situation which we were off the flying starts and then people just started you know um you know man marking or or double teaming him to take him out of the match but i think what Jorginho did uh towards the end of the season he had some key moments in the frankfurt matches um i give him a solid seven as well um, I'm looking, f- I think that with what he's shown in the second part that I could see him playing here with or without, uh, sorry, Brandon, I gave him a solid seven. I think that what we've seen at the beginning and the end is the real Jorginho and like most players in the team he struggled in the middle. Um, so I won't even really contemplate that, that score unlike my last time around, um, so speaking of our number six, Danny Drinkwater, 
Uh, Ten. I don't even Nick. I don't even know where to start. I think we can probably just move on since he is now yep. a Europa League and FA Cup winner for not doing much. Number seven. Yeah, and I, I mean, I joked about Drinkwater in the beginning, right? I gave him a one, but like he never had a chance to play this year and then got a DUI. So you know, really nothing more to say than that. Uh, drink driving is actually what they call it in the UK, Nick. That's actually true. Did. Uh, was he even registered for the Europa League? Yes. Okay. So there you go. But didn't even you have, you have to make the quota somehow. All right. Number seven, Angola Kante. Uh, another fantastic season from him. Is there any kind of resounding arguments between an eight or a nine out of him? Obviously, small injury at the very end, but torched Arsenal at half. I, I mean, look, I would give Angolo an eight. Um, mm-hmm. And I think. You know where he's been a nine or a ten in previous seasons for us. Uh, you think back to him having to learn a completely new position. You think about the four goals and four assists that he scored. Um, I think you know all in the league. Um, you know he certainly, I you know, Mike kind of figured it out at the end, kind of his positioning and how to high press, and I think added a lot to his footballing repertoire um, this season even though he wasn't maybe in the most comfortable natural position that he's used to playing. Yeah, I, I would go as eight as well. Um, it's got to be tough to go from just a destroyer to hunt down the ball to then play on a team in which we had 70-plus uh, percent possession at times. So I think he really had to change that and to really pivot into a role of creator. And um, his passing and his ability to create opportunities for other players was astounding. So um, pretty strong. And I think um, it will let us play him either high or, you know, deep line in the future. So really good flexibility for future seasons. Dan? Yeah. Eights across the board. Sweep it. Sweep. All right. Yeah. And Golakante went from like 113 tackles to 75 this season. So that just shows you how big of a role change he went through. So again, adapting. And he adapted really, really well. Uh, number eight, Ross the Boss Barkley. Nick, you teed this whole, like you said, the biggest disappointment of this entire season was Ross Barkley. I can't, not the, I can't wait for no. this score. I mean, I, I can't said, wait till Twitter catches that one. Nick Verlaney. <laughs> Rise against. Yeah. No, I, I said outside of the two crucial injuries, um, you know, I think we all had a little bit of hope for, for Ross and where he was going to go this season. And, you know, I think he started off really well. I mean, it, it, nobody will forget the equalizer against United and some of the early goals that he scored um, to, to get Chelsea off to a, you know, a 13 match unbeaten streak. But, you know, I, I, he just simply fell off and looked really uncomfortable and looked like he was overthinking it. And, uh, you know, then Ruben kind of just came in and, and swept up the spot when, when he was healthy. So I'm probably going with a very generous six, but I mean, yeah, not, not the best, uh, not the best overall season from Ross that we've seen, Dan. Yeah, I, I would agree. The only thing I would say on top of that is the reason why I think a six is extremely fair is that he did improve in certain aspects of his game. You know, but again, when someone comes and eats your lunch, like Ruben Loftus Cheek did, um, you know, you're, and you don't get to be the starter when you were the starter in the beginning of the season then that shows that you still have some some ways to go. And 
credit to Ross for coming up big in a couple of games, but you know, a couple of strong performances does not make a season. Six for me as well. Yeah, it's uh, Ruben came in and absolutely uh, got crazy. So just to put that in perspective, Ruben came in and had six goals uh, versus Ross's three in the Premier League. Uh, number nine. I don't know why Iguain is our number nine. Uh, Dan, I will let you sum this up. I have no interest in keeping or doing <laughs> anything with him, so you get my my votes. Yeah, I I'm somewhere between a three and a four, um, and I'm probably going to round down because it was just <laughs> just that bad. No, um, come on, man. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you ever remember watching the Garfield cartoons, um, where Normal gets sent in a box back to Abu Dhabi all the time by Garfield. That is what That's Chelsea dumb. should do with with Gonzalo Higuain. All right, well, real quick, Mike, what did you think Morata is? He's not on this list, but in a half of a season, what did you think Morata's score would have been? Uh, probably a five-ish. I mean, he had some goals, but attitude and, and what he could have done, uh, he it was disappointing. Well, they um, both had five goals, so I guess deductive reasoning would say that you would also give Iguain a five yeah pretty i mean I, pretty bang average look except morata had a lot more time here right yeah i, I think the Iguain thing is, is is probably a four to a five and i i think you rate strike like expectations are a big deal with strikers right like we said when Iguain showed up he had to get somewhere in the neighborhood of 10, 10 to 12 goals for this you know to really work out and he was uh relative no show unless it was against small teams so i'm you know i'm just not i'm not that convinced and so i'll i'll give him a, a generous five but like it's that's that is generous my, my i just there's there was nothing there from either one of those players brandon to convince yeah. me that they should we're, be chelsea we're not in the future. we're not re, re we're, we're releasing him from loan like that's not coming back uh, number 10, Eden Azard, uh, purely on footballing this season, guys. Um, he had his statistically his best season ever. Um, I don't really remember uh, too many times where we even ragged on him uh, for not showing up like he's done in the past. I think this is probably one of the most complete seasons from Eden Azard that we've actually ever seen. I'm, I'm in the ranges of a, of a 9. I'm going 10. Honestly, I, and I know that he wasn't perfect this year, but you know it's also a little bit of sentiment for me that he had his best season in a Chelsea shirt um, right before he uh, got transferred to Real Madrid. It showed me a lot of professionalism. It showed me a lot of heart. Um, you know, he he clearly had a lot on his mind this year, Dan, and he showed up anyway. And without him, you shudder to think about where we'd be. Yeah, uh, we just learned that 40 minutes into this episode, uh, Nicholas Verlaney does, in fact, have a heart expressing sentiment about Ed Nizard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would say that the sentiment side would be a 10, football would be a 9, and that this was... Absolutely a joy to watch him in some of these matches this season, whether it was the goal at West Ham, whether it was the just the way that he kind of would, again, continue to take over, dominate games, even in some of the toughest patches of and turgid football that we've seen since we've been doing this podcast. We managed to come through it all with Eden Hazard. So, yeah, going to be missed 
Very much so, Mike. I don't. I don't think you can say anything different than that. Uh, a nine, and he he did what all good Chelsea legends do. He destroyed Arsenal, and a hell of a way to you know great swan song, Brandon. Yeah, I'm pissed he's leaving. So number eleven on the roster yeah. is Pedro. I mean, this is your typical fifty-fifty consistency, right, Dan? Like he when he's great, he's great, but when he's not, like. It's it's nothing. Yeah, he's a he's a yo-yo player, right? He's up or down. So he's either doing really really well and is a key part of what's going on in the pitch, scores some just exceptional goals, tracks back really well, puts in an incredible defensive shift. I mean, twelve goals and five assists. You know, he ends up being one of the best attacking contributors we had this season, which is not saying a whole lot because we know earlier we discussed about the amount of big chances missed. I, I'm going to round up to a seven. Um, Whoa. Yeah, I mean, the goal against Tottenham, the goal against Frankfurt, really interacted well with both Higuain and Giroud, like, was able to kind of help, like, work through maybe some of their inadequacies as strikers and was able to get goals in some key moments. So I think that helps me edge him above the... Above the six there, Nick. Yeah, I, th- I think I go six. Um, you know, again, the my, my vision for him when Sari signed was that he was just going to be this little dynamo, you know, kind of easily uh, translated from like the Mertens role uh, at Napoli, and I, you know, he did provide some some really important goals and, and really crucial passes in the final third, but it was never enough to cement his place as a as a locked in starter and. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm happy. I'm happy that we have someone like him on the squad who has a ton of experience, Mike, and who could score goals, but it just wasn't as consistent as you'd hope. Yeah. I I think, you know, I give him a seven, um, as far as consistency, he had a bit of a rough season with some injuries, some really nasty tackles that he took in a couple different matches and I think some sickness. So, um, a healthy Pedro, I think would have, William might not have seen the pitch um, if he continued to fire the way he did. He still had 12 goals, so solid season for me from him overall. Uh, Right. Numero 12 on the roster, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Man, like so much, so much progress, and then all halted to a stop. So because of the injury, in my mind, I give him a six because he wasn't able to complete it. But when he was at his prime... He was a solid eight for us in my mind, Nick. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, you know, what he brought, his ability to drive the ball forward, his ability to inter- uh, interchange with Eden Hazard and um, Emerson and Giroud, like he's just he's a dynamic player. And the late season goals and the flurry that kind of came on post-February was crucial to us even being in this top four race. I mean, he, he really stepped up. So... I'd I'd go um, I think I'd go like a, a solid seven uh, with the huge opportunity to to be a nine or a ten in future seasons. Like it's it's hard to forget that he didn't start the first half of the season, Dan. So you you got to kind of put everything in perspective. Yeah, our way. podcast propelled him. We we clearly <laughs> remember that. <laughs> That's a fact. Yeah, we we were the uh, the. The, you know, the powder keg actually pulled it off once and uh, caused the explosion. So, yeah, I think Ruben would be an eight in my mind, just completely at a different dimension. 
almost impossible to take down. And when he did, he always got a foul, unlike when Eden would get taken down and never get a foul. Uh, the exact opposite, because he is just, you know, technically brilliant on the ball. Probably the second best after Eden Hazard with his feet at the ball at uh, Chelsea this past season. So, uh, huge, huge miss, Mike, heading into the start of next season. But uh, if you say anything other than an eight, uh, and it's not higher. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah, because it's Nick seven. Uh, I'll take the I'll take the eight. I think the way he finished um, minus the injury was fantastic. Nothing more to say there. All right. So we will acknowledge Willie Caballero, who is on the roster. Uh, he's 37 years old. So we had backups at 37, 39. Uh, but he did a job when he was called on. So good for you, Willie. Uh, an interesting one here. Number 17 on the roster, Mateo Kovacic. I guess I'm more interested, guys, if you want to keep him or sign him from Real Madrid. Dan? No, he, he can go back. We're good. Okay. So Bakayoko well, yeah, will think fill that gap. It's dependent It's dependent on our, our transfer ban or lack thereof, right? Like Exactly. If we have the ban, then I'd sign him for another season-long loan. But mm-hmm. if not, and we can go sign other players, then uh, I'd probably loan him back. Because I like I think his his rating this season was a six. It was fine. Yep. It wasn't dynamic. Like I I don't I I think I was expecting something different than what he brought to the table, and maybe that was a me problem, Mike. But uh, yeah, I just didn't see enough to like warrant the forty million pounds or whatever it cost to prize him away. Yeah, solid six, reliable, but didn't create the fireworks we needed or goals. Um, if they give it to him, us for $20 million, yes, I'd take him just for cover because uh, we'll need it in the first half of the season, but uh, I'm, I don't want to spend $40 million on him. Okay. I think that's all fair and square. So another one up, uh, Olivier Giroud, Europa League hero, World Cup winner, only two goals in the Premier League, Dan. Not, not his greatest yeah but 11 in the Europa League. yeah he, That's he, gets, my he point. gets a seven yeah he he was a a european specialist and really propelled us forward in our pursuit and then eventual claiming of the europa league trophy uh, was also a inhibitor for the success of ed nazard when he played he typically would find ways to make ed uh, or put Eden into good spots by holding up the ball well. So even though his two goals in the Premier League were rather paltry, uh, by a striker's comparison, he definitely was the better catalyst for Eden Hazard's success in the Premier League this season. So, yeah, I, w- I would give him seven. Nick. Seven, yeah. I, I think his hold-up play was outstanding. He really, the second half of the year, kind of shined, Mike. But, um, you know, he, he was not a dynamic scorer in the league, so I get that, but... He really specialized in Europe. Yeah, uh, eight in Europe, six in the league. So I think overall seven is fair. Um, you know, with that goal he scored against Arsenal in the the final, I, I hope that whoever manages this team next year is putting some balls in the air so that he can get his meaty French forehead on them. Uh, I think that's one part of his game that he we kind of didn't provide for him. So well, also ten for legend status for getting onto the bus after <laughs> Baku <laughs> and ten. saying thank you, Arsenal. Ten. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like uh, certain countries where you have to basically renounce your citizenship to uh, to become a citizen. There, he basically has thrown away his Arsenal uh, career at that moment, but worth it. That's the moment it left. All right, uh, number twenty on our roster, Kalamudzunadoy. Again, 
the same. I mean, you can, we can copy paste as Ruben, right? I mean, there were some more yeah. negatives with the Bayern Munich contract and, and this public affair and I think ordeal. But overall, like he forced his way into the team. Like he's got to do what's best for him. And for the most part, I mean, he he delivered. He had some he had some eh games in the Europa League and in some other situations, Dan. But I think overall, um, I I mean, for an 18 year old, I give him a seven at rounding up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think seven is is a fair result for uh, for Cho. And I would say that. He has a ton of potential. I think we're excited to see him come back from his injury, and hopefully, he, re- you know, the, some of the progress reports that he's recovering faster than anticipated. But obviously, this is a massive, massive injury, and we want him to take all the time he possibly can to get it right. So when he comes back, we get the Callum versus Tottenham in the uh, League Cup matches where he was an absolute terror, and more of those than some of the. You know, less than stellar performances, Nick. Yeah, I, I mean, putting this into context, a 18-year-old player in the Premier League, I think for a seven is really, really, really good. He had to get used to the pace of play. He had to get used to the physicality. He did just a, a really good job, Mike. And and you know, I think he has just such a high ceiling that we're kind of hedging our bets a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I hit him with a seven as well. I think his play outside of the Premier League was really the highlights of his season. But again, he's 18, so um, looking forward to uh, his recovery going well. Um, but yeah, great season overall. All right, well, next one. Again, this is going to be a generous acknowledgement of existence. Davide Zapacosta making a wild four appearances in the Premier League. Uh, you know, picking up some crucial minutes in the final of the Europa League, though, will not discredit that. But at this point, it sounds like he is maybe heading back to Italy. But, man, he, I mean, anytime you play behind Dave, you're in trouble. Because that guy has built a career from playing every single minute and every single competition. And, of course, <laughs> exactly, that's what he did. So... Not much from Davide Zapacosta, as you would expect. Number 22, though, William. We're back. 30. <laughs> wow, that was the wow. best introduction possible, wow. Brandon. The silence was deafening. Please don't edit that There's out. There's two Please ways to go, as always. Uh, he's now 30. He was, to me, this is copy paste with Pedro. And unfortunately, we couldn't get them to be on alternating schedules of, of brilliance. But but Nick, it's 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 William. Like, you get what you get. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So like, I was looking at his stats last night in, in preparation for a lot of different things that we're doing today. But uh, if you think about his total stats from the eighteen nineteen season, eight goals, fourteen assists, seven of those assists coming in the Premier League, seven of those assists are coming in the in the Europa League. So, uh, yeah. I mean, like uh, six, I guess. Uh, like. This was a player that contextually we all thought would thrive under Sorry Ball, and you know, kind of compared to his seventeen eighteen season, like he kind of fell off. Like he had, um, let's see, thirteen goals and twelve assists in the campaign last year. So you know, kind of fell off a little bit in the goal scoring tally. Mike, um, someone who I I really thought had a, a kind of a bang average year. Yeah, it's it's really hard to contextualize. I think. 
who he is if he wants. I mean, at times it looks like he's playing in the, I don't know, like he's just not happy to be here, you know, and I think uh, a six, seven, probably I'm leaning more towards a six than a seven, but um, it, I don't, it's kind of that, I don't know if we can live with him or with without him. Um, and it will be tough to let him go as well, potentially this season if with, with Eden leaving too. So um, a reliable player at times, but I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't just necessarily go with just Pedro alone, not to be pushed with, you know, the availability that William has. So I'm kind of scratching my head, Dan. Uh, we're going to, I mean, look, he's got to be here. He's depending upon how this band goes, may or may not get some level of extension and he will continue to be a punch card player where uh, every six match you get the bonus and uh, get a free goal or extra assist out of him. And look, if we take him off corner kicks and if we take him off some of the free kick responsibility, my score would increase immensely because our balls would actually get past the first man or make it to a target in the box. Um, it might be a little harsh, but I, I, I would say a five. I was, I was really, really Whoa. disappointed with just the, the letdown Oof. this season. Uh, Pe- Pedro was just miles better, and if Pedro had been healthy, we would have seen so much less of William this season, uh, even less than we saw. And with Pulisic <laughs> coming in, with Calum Hudson-Doy when he returns from injury, uh, I think William is a very much a candidate for becoming even more of a bench yes. or rotational player, which does not seem to suit him terribly well. So that, um, you know, looking into the next future darkest timeline stuff, so that would be uh, that would be one to one to watch out for next season. So here's an interesting one. Number 24 on the roster, Gary Cahill. Now, as you probably can guess, his two appearances in the league was, was tied with Victor Moses and Willie Caballero. So, <laughs> while he didn't play at all this season, I'm interested with the Matt Law interview at the end of the season, with him being club captain, everything, and in, in he still gets a rating because he was there. Nick, what do, what do you think, Gary Cahill? Uh, I don't really know. I think it's like, if we're not going to rate Zappacosta, like, I feel like it's really hard to rate Cahill. I will say that we all appreciate Gary Cahill for his service to the club. I mean, he's, he was there seven years. He won everything there is to win. He goes out a winner. Uh, you know, I think there's just a tremendous amount of respect that can be put uh, on his name right now. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of where I want to leave it. You know, I hope that he plays the last few uh, seasons of his career and he gets a chance to, um, to really impact a team that needs some leadership. And, you know, that would strike me as kind of the, the best place for him to, to go next. But, yeah, it's a it, it's difficult one. I mean, he was club captain, kind of. Um, yeah, in name only, essentially, because he never played. And he clearly had a riff with Sari. So it's a difficult, difficult place to be. Yeah, all right. More to come on Gaz. All right, number 27, Christensen. Didn't play a whole lot, Dan. You're the Danish Prince flag flyer. What do you do? Um, man, somewhere between a five and a six. Um, 
probably more inconsistent than we required, um, uh, you know, the, at times, especially after after Rudiger went down, he still managed to put in some pretty solid defensive performances, but couldn't lock down a starter role after having you know been able to cement himself in in previous seasons. So, uh, still some opportunity there. Still could develop into being a very very strong player for us, but with Zuma coming back next year, um, potentially Rudiger coming back from injury, Luis signed on a, a an extension, um, could become rotational or backup, and that's just very interesting. So I, I think I'm more disappointed maybe than you, Nick, in this season, but I would probably go with a five. I think you know, just average. Yeah, I'm going with a, a six. Uh, I mean, he did end up playing 29 matches this year, so... You know, yes, he was off and on. Yes, he wasn't a, a nailed-on starter, but he still got a fair amount of game time, almost 2,500 minutes. Did score a goal. I mean, I don't know. It To me, he he is much better as a sweeper in that back three than he was next to someone like David Luiz. Um, I think that, that really kind of... Uh, cemented that in my mind this year. He still have, Mike, he still has enough pace to keep up in the league, although he's not a, a barn burner. I think he's relatively good in the air, but you know he has concussion issues now, uh, two seasons in a row. Uh, there's some, there's definitely some worry here, but I'm, I'm maybe not as down as Dan is. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a, a five six. Um, you know, I, I think ideally, you're right. He gets paired with more speed next to Rudiger, so Rudiger kind of plays that stopper. He plays the sweeper role. Um, you know, to be kind to the to the kid, I I think a, a six. Um, it's really hard to, you know, get called up and kind of find your your place uh, in a backline that's a little bit disheveled and with the new keeper. I think once we can solidify communication, um, Keppa feels like he knows them. Uh, hopefully, this summer we can see better work. But um, I don't think it's as bad, but it wasn't as great. Um, so I think six is fair. Six, a lot of room to improve. Yeah. Again, I kind of I discredit a lot of the Europe League stuff. The people we played in that, especially including Drew, they weren't good. No. They were bad teams. We had the the most amazing draw ever in that competition. So just gonna asterisk that. Number twenty eight, Cesar Aspilicueta, the on pitch captain, uh, the Iron Man of minutes. Dan, I. He had some big games, especially at the end. But honestly, we were even talking about him being dropped. I think you even said at one point in the season we should sell him. I'm going to give him a six. Six seems right. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I think that that is exactly where I would land. And I think this is the first season, I think, ever in watching Aspilicueta play where there's kind of a concern for what he what he was bringing on the pitch, you know, in terms of getting forward, the overlapping runs that need to be made just really wasn't where this system and this style of football was calling for. And again, uh, as a captain, as a man, as someone who we've spoken to in an interview, is, is absolutely exceptional. This was the first season, Nick, where I was like, ah, oh, there might be, we might need to be considering who that replacement is uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, not immediate he's gone next year but in a we need to have a a pretty quick succession plan in place yeah yeah i'm i'm at a six as well i think there were you know again 
for all of our back four, I think I think all of them struggled with the back four versus the back five that we had played in previous seasons where there's a little bit more cover, there's a little bit more speed on the wings. Uh, he clearly isn't a speed demon anymore. <laughs> Probably never was. Um, but, you know, still, in my mind, if you had to give me a one-on-one defender in the Premier League, uh, he's right up there with Van Dijk for me um, in, in those moments. And I... I still value him in that regard so a six is fine I look for him to bounce back big next year I know I think he knows that there's there's room to improve I go with a six as well um I think Dave is the epitome of everything you want from a player he has heart and grit but I think compared to the elite speeds we're seeing in the Premier League um he's lost a step and I think he will continue to lose a step as he ages um, and unfortunately, with both Gary and Dave, uh, it's hard to be an older defender. And um, I, I do not think he will do better next year. And I think he will be potentially in Gary's position, uh, depending on if we can bring in a right back um, or other defenders this year. Assuming that's what the potentially next manager wants to do. So many variables. I hate it. Number 30 on the roster, David Luiz just signed an extension completely shattering Chelsea's long-held belief that players over 30 have nothing to give unless they are a backup and third-string goalkeeper. Uh, I mean, Mike, from a David Luiz standpoint, again, really big highs, really low lows. I go back to that Spurs match where he was absolutely demolished. Uh, then you go to the Europa League final, and they are just rock solid, winning everything out of the air. It, uh, I mean, I'm at like a seven again, just because overall it wasn't yeah. good enough. But the guy has such a high ceiling. Yeah, uh, I, I give him a seven as well. I think from where he is on the field at times, and and the way he plays, you know, it's he marauds, and it's high chance. You know, when it works, it works, and when it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, that makes things very difficult on his other partners in the back line. But I think overall, um, the way that he was able to stretch the pitch uh, and just ping balls, you know, 30, 40 yards across the field to open up the wings um, was massive. Uh, And, you know, if we're going to continue to play the ball out of the back, he's needed for sure. Um, So solid seven for me. Nick? Yeah, uh, I think seven. He contributed some huge goals. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, massive goals um, against Liverpool and City. Uh, I think just, to me, had to step up and, and play kind of a vice-captain role this year. Certainly made some mistakes, but um, I think was also instrumental in getting the uh, speed or pace of play up and, and getting the ball to Jorginho more quickly and really was an excellent distributor of the ball from long distance. Uh, so, yeah, that, I would go seven. I think that's fair. Yeah, same, seven. Rob Green, you get an honorable ten. mention, sir. Ten. 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 Honorable The hero ten. of Baku. Ten. Uh, I'm sorry. He was number 31 on the roster. I apologize for breaking uh, the script. Number 33, Emerson. Emerson Palmieri. Uh, Dan, when your point of view, <laughs> I am interested because... Again, I pinned him to be absolute nailed on for sorry ball starter. It didn't happen. I ate my words. But then later in the season, it did happen. So I'm sitting on a Came six. True. Yeah, I think six is the right place to sit, especially if Marcus Alonso is a five. Emerson would have to be better by just proxy. Um, Ouch. 
Yeah, I think we sometimes forget the fact that this is the guy who statistically and scouting-wise was going to be the replacement for Alexandro at Juventus if we end up purchasing him under the reign of Antonio Conte. And he has never fulfilled that level of performance, but definitely shows promise in a lot of areas and is willing to move forward, can get back fast enough. Positionally, I I feel like, you know, he's kind of been impacted by often on again starts, Nick. And I think seeing him consistently across the season would be great just to kind of determine what's actually there. And I feel like we might actually get our chance next season. So uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, I, I would go six. I mean, I think his ability to not win over the position to me was kind of spoke louder than anything else. But when he did get his opportunities, I mean, he certainly is a good footballer. He can do take-ons. He can cross the ball relatively well. Uh, I worry a little bit about defensive positioning with him. So just a little bit of a a balance issue there, Mike. Um, But, yeah, I think a six is fair for for what we saw. Yeah, I'm a six as well. Uh, I look forward to him getting more of a chance to have a set number of starts as opposed to trying to unseat you know, somewhat in front of him and, you know, who knows what Sari's thinking was, whether, you know, Emerson had a great game or not, if Alonzo was going to get that rotation back regardless. So um, he has a huge upside and I look forward to the, to the next season with him. Start to earn Mike. All right. We don't hand him out. Jeez. Well, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, it's maybe. Yeah. Anyways, number 44 on the roster. Unfortunately, only an honorable mention for Ethan Ampadu. Also 18, but nowhere near the progress made this season. More injuries for him, which is a yeah. huge shame. Um, he is obviously a massive pod favorite. And look, it's not exclusive to us. A lot of you love Ampadu. Ankle breaker. He goes in hard. He, he's versatile. Played a little, what he played right back at one point. Um, so, but right back, center mid, like he's he's very flexible. But yeah, he certainly I think had a, a regression um, compared to what he did the previous season. It's a bummer. I hope that again he gets a, a good summer recovery and bounces back. Continues to play for the Welsh national team. Is those are all awesome opportunities for him. But anyways, that is a wrap on our player ratings let us know what you agreed with let us know what you didn't agree with if we skipped someone that you wanted us to go back and do let us know but in the end that is it for the 2018-19 season now we must move on to some non-playing staff so right out of the gate we have to go to Maurizio Sarri and his staff now now Nick why did you include his staff with this is that because we don't really know much about them <laughs> no, and he's I, the captain I, I, of the ship I, I did i did pose it as staff because like the management team does operate as a team Maurizio gets all of the credit and all of the blame but zola and the rest of the assistants uh, are also a part of this right they're all involved in training they all have a significant impact on on the team so just wanted to make sure that you know it wasn't just Maurizio getting a, a number I think you kind of have to judge holistically here and I give Sari and his staff a seven um, they certainly had turbulent times they certainly uh, you know Maurizio himself certainly had some weird press conferences um, you know the 
Carabao Cup final was a disaster on a lot of levels, but he delivered the uh, requisite trophy and top four. And for that, you know, I think he has to have a seven or above, Dan, uh, just kind of the way it works. Yeah, seven is fair. You know, we hit the targets, which, again, we talked about at the beginning of the season. If we were told that we would get top four and return to the Champions League and also win a trophy, we'd have taken that. And the sometimes tactical and flexibility of Sari, especially at our most challenging points in the season, was very unfortunate and resulted in two of the worst losses that I've ever seen as a Chelsea supporter. And we'll wish him nothing but the best if uh, it is true that he does end up leaving. Uh, obviously, at this point, it is still not 100% confirmed, Mike, but I think Seven is extremely fair. I think he delivered upon some of the promises he set, but uh, broke a couple of the others. And in that regard, uh, I would not round up in any capacity. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I've marked him down as a 7 out of 10. Um, to me, uh, I think probably one of the biggest disappointments uh, of the season as to how he was embraced Um you know, it's kind of a do the ends justify the means. Um, we achieved everything that we set out to do. And at the same time, the way we did it uh, just really kind of left a very divided fan base. Um, he played a lot of youth, but um, unless he really, really wants to be here and go through another season of this, uh, I hope that he exits. To me, <clears throat> if you're assuming that seven meets the goals and then eight, nine, and 10 is kind of like the flair and how you do it, I mean, you got top three in Europa League final, made the Carabao Cup final, had some massive defeats, but the defeats along the way get you to a top three I don't know. I I lean towards eight, just because. In in just like number sense, you can't do much better. And I think that to earn a nine or a ten is like the flair, the style, the I don't know. But maybe maybe I'm not giving enough credit to kind of the mood surrounding the club and things like Gary Cahill and player management. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of split on that stuff, too. You guys bring us some good points. So I'll definitely parlay to the audience to to give us more feedback on what they think on, on Rizzo starting his staff and how he did. Because, like, you think about it, there's a lot of things that go into this. I mean, he didn't do anything in Boston, right? Like, he wasn't a PR yeah. golden boy. <laughs> he he didn't always put the club in, in the best light. So maybe maybe I'm starting to talk myself down to a seven after all. Hmm. I don't know. But how about this? Overall, how would you guys rate this season as a whole from August to June, May, really, I guess? Dan, what what would you be your numerical assignment to this season? I think the whole season gets an eight for me. And I would say that the mix of finishing third, winning the Europa League, getting to the league cup final having the you know a couple of really great success stories from our youth academy of hudson adoy of lost his cheek getting their their minutes their moments and hazard being brilliant and golo Conte adapting in position just a lot outside of the the negativity in the moment when you get a chance to pull back and absorb and look at the entire season as a whole um 
one of the better end result seasons that we've seen. Um, obviously, last year was an FA Cup win, which is great, but not a top four finish. Um, yeah, I, I would go with an eight. I think an eight is is fair. I think it also highlights the fact that we've been begging for this youth product to be put in the team in some shape or fashion. And I think that's what shades it above a seven for me, Nick. Yeah, I think I'm going to go seven. Um, the, the ups and downs were a lot. The stagnation in the middle was a lot. Um, the glory was a lot, you know, is that the, the end we're, you know, in Tottenham's best season ever, maybe they still don't get a trophy and, and we do. And we're pissed off about it. You know, it's like, there, there's just, a, I think, levels to <laughs> expectations. And um, because of that, you know, I think a seven is a really good place to be. We we kind of hit the targets that you mentioned before. And there was a lot of uh, consternation along the way, Mike. So, you know, I think it's a really fair grade. Uh, I, I have to go eight. Um, I think top three finish and winning a major European uh, title um, definitely makes it an eight. If it was just we had won one of the little smaller cups, in England, uh, probably a seven, but I think overall, um, mission accomplished, uh, an eight for me, Brandon. So I'm, if I just take it on a pure emotional basis, like this season was not fun. It was not enjoyable. Um, and then if you look at the team, I don't, we started off on an amazing run and we never regained that form. So there was no like small, uh, build up of progression and, and success along the way. I mean, yes, Maurizio Sarri had to adapt and make some changes, you know, to his play style and things like that, but it never really clicked, especially like it did at the beginning. And I know we were wildly missing a striker, but like this season was not fun to watch. It was not fun to talk about on a podcast. It was just, it was the the exciting moments were were. Few and far between, unless Ednazar did something spectacular. And so, to me, while I know Callum Hudson Doyle and Ruben got some big time minutes in progress, like overall, I'm I'm at a low seven. Like I I was thinking about a six. Wow. Because whoa. It, and here's my entitlement: we're Chelsea. You get top four. You win trophies. That's what we do. Yeah, but but we're also, but we're talking about what fourteen, sixteen games in the Premier League, unde- unbeaten in the in the start and undefeated in Europa. And I mean, then the season was not as bad. And but it was then, not as bad. Uh, so look, look, hey, we had you, a tough stretch. Hey, you got your but eight. People were being babies all right. About you got your eight. <laughs> I'm just telling you from right. my and like maybe I'm a little bit more bitter and harsh, but just in seasons past, like it was a new start. Maurizio's coming in. Things were exciting, and then it just dropped off. So I. I hear you. I totally understand where you're coming from. Just, I don't know. This season is one of the, my least favorites in all of watching Chelsea. And to be fair, we're wildly spoiled as, as Chelsea fans, especially a lot of us who came in the early 2000s. But to me, this was actually one of my, my least favorite personally. So fair. That, that's where I'm at. So, um, But we can go back to happiness. Don't worry, Mike, because we've got player <laughs> of the season. And I will let you go ahead and list off our unanimous player of the season. Kepa. Rob Green. Oh, I was close. <laughs> the hero of Baku. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Hazard, um, yeah, Eden Hazard, definitely hands down player of the year. All right. It's, what is there to say? That's a clean sweep it, across the board. It, Let's, we don't need to belabor Well, I would flex. like to talk about, no, I'm just kidding. It's, uh, it was a fantastic season uh, from Eden and hard to argue. But if you want, go ahead. We're on social media. Now, a more exciting one is most improved player. So, Dan, from your eyes, who made the biggest jump in development this season? Yeah, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has to be the name we mentioned, even in spite of the injury. He went from being the player everyone wondered if he would ever make it at Chelsea to wondering why he wasn't selected in the starting 11 or why he was getting subbed off early. And fans, you know, at least the... Yeah, ones on tw- you know in the social conversation would always be upset when he would get yanked from a game. And narratively, the change from how fans and supporters were thinking about Ruben Loftus Cheek was miles apart from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. To the fact that everyone was you know, gutted in a way that you felt like you were losing a star player when he got injured and not like a, Oh, well there's this player who starts for us occasionally and he got injuries out for a little bit. And that's unfortunate. It was a serious body blow. And I think to see him start scoring, to see him start pushing other players who have had like Mateo Kovacic or Ross Barkley, who've had more senior minutes in their professional careers than he has is just an exceptional story. And the fact that he is, you know, Chelsea, born and bred, makes it even sweeter. So, uh, Nick, that's where I land in terms of MV, you know, most improved player this season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Ruben is, is mine as well. I, you just saw a lot of, you know, I think maybe for him it's less of like, hey, wow, he really improved his skills because I think there is a certain amount of that. But I think you just saw like when he's in a position to take the ball, turn, and run at defenders, and he's just fucking terrifying. You know, I, I can't even imagine being a defender and being like, oh, cool, this, like, freight train with ball skills is running at me. That's awesome. Uh, so I, I really I, I was pumped that he was in the right position to make an impact, and, you know, I think we all just hope that he, <laughs> he comes back from a really devastating injury and, and has the same kind of uh, aggressiveness and same kind of, of flair. So... Uh, if he does that, we'll we'll be in good shape, Mike. Yeah, Ruben is my vote as well, and and I think uh, two reasons: one, from the maturity that he uh, attacked this season, um, not getting that, you know, not getting the start in the first half, um, you know, how many managers has he been under, and he just got to work and you know knocked two other players out of the way and took over. So I think the way he went about that is huge, and overall, um, he was to me outside of Eden, our best best player on the pitch, um, made such a huge impact, and I'm um, looking forward to him returning. Brandon? Yeah, look, no other bench player cemented themselves as a starter. He did. To me, that's the biggest jump you can make. He wasn't bit part. It was no minutes, maybe the occasional 88th-minute sub, to full-fledged starter, that's the biggest jump that you really can make in, in one season. So Ruben all the way. A little bit more interesting one here. So moment of the season. I Hey, man, you didn't say good moment of the season, so I'm just going to leave that door open, huh? <laughs> uh, Mike, 
it looks like you've got something at the top of your head that you want to lead with. What, what do you What do you have? My, my moment was uh, Frankfurt. The penalty saves. I think the clearances off the line to get us to penalties. We probably should have lost that game. And then to watch kind of Keppa's story arc of redemption get back um, and just become the hero that he wasn't able to be in the Carabao Cup. Um, the feels that I got from that match, it it was electrifying, and it reminds you, you know, of of great great times as you know in Chelsea history. So to me, that was probably the my high of the season, outside of the Europa League win. But I still think this was huge. Yeah, the Europa League win was a breeze, Mike. Don't worry about it. Like yeah. the 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 penalties were way more exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Dan, what about you? Well, in match week 12 in the Premier League, in the 53rd minute when Jorginho lofts the ball over, now that's absolutely false. It has to be Europa League victory uh, without question. I think we talked about how this season has had ups and downs and how there's been positive moments and not great moments. And to top it off with a, another trophy victory at the end of the season while also getting the opportunity to smash some crosstown rivals at the same exact time uh, that beating Spurs or beating Arsenal. I'm not sure which one it is depending on the day that it's, it's super sweet to do. And so that just made everything feel better. And I think adds a, a different layer and a different feeling to the season. Whereas if we had lost, it would have been a very different moment for the season we might've pulled out. So uh, yeah, I don't think you could say anything other than the Europa League victory, Nicholas, but uh, surprise me. I will. Uh, I think just the, the day that we solidified top four because Arsenal, again, blew it um, <laughs> against Brighton. That that day, I had the biggest sigh of relief. Um, you know, everyone knows about the top four race, quote unquote, and the four teams who couldn't get out of their own way to to figure out where they were going to be at the end of the season. So, uh, you know, us winning, Arsenal lose, or Arsenal drawing against Brighton, uh, getting that top four was everything to me. Um, it puts us in a position for kind of maximum uh, damage next year. And, yeah, that's, Brandon, that's where I'm going. It, it, meant, it meant a lot. I'm right there with you, Nick. A little bit different, while I agree with those, is... Look, I'm going to get probably ridiculed for being a modern fan, but getting top four puts the club in such a better financial position. I mean, we saw the numbers Mm -hmm. of Champions League earnings versus Europa League. It was like double, if not more. And you can attract the best players. for So for Chelsea wanting to really take steps up again rebounding from you know the the poor second season under Antonio Conte this was so important to have and um so I think that's my pragmatic opinion obviously guys the saves and winning a trophy in the Europa League final over Arsenal that is a fan's dream so uh I won't discredit that but kind of the long-term success is going to be through the Champions League qualification which was massive especially because we were in sixth, like two months before the season ended, which we are all writing it off. Um, So last one we have here is goal of the season. Nick, I want to hear what made you the most excited and probably even yell at your TV when you saw it go in. Gonzalo Higuain against... Brighton, banging him in. 
uh, N'Golo Conte's banger against City at home was, I think, probably you know my my goal this season. I, a guy who you don't expect that from, you know, Eden Hazard kind of leaving this beautiful assist for someone to come hit in the middle of of the 18 yard box and, and Conte just smashed it. And, you know, if you think all the way back to that moment, guys, like we were still behind in points, but it was like, Oh, this is a statement of intent. Like Chelsea just beat city. Um, and, and there's something to, to say about the league here. And then obviously uh, it went downhill from there, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I love that goal. I love how, how shocked he was when he scored it. And uh, it was just yeah, a really, a really great goal. Dan, what about you? What made you get out of your seat, your chair, your bar stool? Yeah, I think the hazard goal against West Ham, so this was the beginning of April, where he slots through the midfield and basically just ends up having this like parachute of, West Ham players behind him. So, like, four of the West Ham players are behind him. One is also coming from the side. So he's engaged five players plus the goalkeeper. So now up to six players are trying to figure out a way to stop this guy who is, you know, it's written. It's written that the goal is going to happen. You're just waiting for it to do so. And he brings back the knee slide as well, which he had said he was not going to do because of the... The, the burns on his knee, it was it was special. It was a special goal because I think at this point in the season, we were also taking the, the fact that we were going to have less and less of these opportunities to celebrate Ed and Hazard goals, and maybe we're, we're celebrating them in a different way because maybe it'll be for you know hitting add-on bonuses for his uh, sell-through rate. But uh, last time and one of the last, the last few times in the blue shirt, we got to celebrate it. Um, Mike, so yeah, I don't know if what yours was out of the list of many goals that we scored this season. Uh, I'm sticking with Eden as well, um, but I'm going to go with his goal against uh, Liverpool um, in the Carabao Cup, and it's just slicing and dicing. Um, Eden is an amazing player. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be hard to be without him. I don't really, I can't look at a Madrid <laughs> uh, badge without getting angry a little bit, but. Um, <clears throat> Knocking them out uh, early on was, like we said earlier, you know, statement of intent, and it was just great to eliminate them. So, um, Eden's amazing. Too many good goals to to choose from, but that's my pick. You know, it's mine too, and it's because it was, you know, towards the end of the game, you need a goal. He just stepped up, grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, and said, "I'm taking control." Disrespected every single Liverpool player around him. And just with absolute authority, smashed it into the far post. It was it was just a, a reminder and a statement to everyone that when he wants, he will destroy you. We just wished it would have happened more. But we're grateful for the times it did, Ed. And so thank you. Deep breath. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, guys. 2018 and 19. In the books, it's done. The records are written and onward to... 2019-2020 Premier League season. I mean, yeah, this is where we're at. It's uh, It's been great. It's been good. It's been eh. And it's been pretty bad. I mean, we really got the full experience. Our <laughs> money's worth this season. Um, but everyone out there, we want to hear, what did you think of Maritza's starting staff? What was your overall season rating? What, who was your player of the season? And Nazard, obviously. 
who is your most improved player, moment of the season, goal of the season. These are the things we want to continue to talk about as the void of Premier League is here. Let us continue the discussion and keep it going because this is what we love to talk about. So uh, it's going to be great. So I think with that being said, though, Chelsea fans, we've covered a lot. We really hope you enjoyed it, whether you had a long commute, short commute. Hopefully it is helping you supplement uh, the Women's World Cup content that is going on right now. Chelsea is still very much at the forefront of our thoughts. We're going to be bringing a lot of stuff out this summer, as we've talked about. Uh, definitely keep an eye on on your, your podcast apps. But get involved. Get engaged with us. Uh, we're always accessible, mainly through Discord and Patreon, but always via social media and email as well. So we look forward to continuing this conversation with you. But a huge thank you to Nick, Dan, and Mike. As always, you guys putting in the work. Appreciate it. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.